You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome back. It's podcast night here on the Finsider. As always, you can call us at 347-326-9461. Talk about whatever you want, Miami Dolphins. I have with me James, my producer. James, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing well, thanks. And because he got in early today... I get to play the trumpets right away on the show today. Duke, how are you? I'm fabulous. Good. Welcome to the show. Um, I, I figured all week that today's podcast would be mostly what the Dolphins need to improve on for the during the bye week, um, getting guys healthy, that kind of stuff, and then some look back at the last two wins. But obviously the big news or the big rumor today was – the possibility that the Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs were discussing a trade for Dwayne Bowe to send him down to Miami. And since that has come out, basically what happened, if you guys aren't following this, this morning um, Jason Cole from Yahoo Sports went on uh, one of the local shows, Sedano? I think it was Sedano's show. Um, and uh, was talking – to him, and he was asked, "What do you think of this report that's coming out of uh, out of ESPN somewhere?" And I have not seen that report, but apparently that's where the rumor started. And the report was the Dolphins and Chiefs are in a are in trade discussions for a big name player. Well, Cole said the only thing that logically makes sense out of that would be Dwayne Bowe. From there, it immediately became Cole is reporting the Dolphins and Chiefs are working out a trade for Bo. So it has spun all the way around, and fans are all worked up on, is this possibility? Is there things going on? I know um, B-Serious was tweeting earlier today what he would do, and Tex was trying to figure out if it was a real report. So, I mean, it was all kinds of fun today. But sorry, Tex, I had to throw that in there. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. He's my new Finn head. So. <laughs> but um, as it went on, Cole has tweeted out in the last couple hours, he tweeted out that, hey, guys, I am not in any way reporting Dolphins Chiefs working on trade. All I said was, logically, it could make sense. And during the show, he even said things like um, – the Dolphins just got rid of Brandon Marshall because he was a diva and the coaching staff didn't want to work with him. Would they want to do it again 
with another guy that has the potential to be a diva that the coaches don't want to work with. So he, he went both ways on it, but of course that one little snippet that the Chiefs and Dolphins could be working on a deal is what everybody jumped on. So it makes sense. I mean, it's the bye week. If a deal were going to get done, this is the right time to do it. But I just I don't see the Dolphins making that move because I don't think that they would want to try to get a wide receiver spun up on the offense. Jabbar Gaffney got here three weeks ago and hasn't played a game yet. He's been inactive these last two games because he hasn't gotten up to speed on the offense yet. So it's going to take time. And while it would make sense during the bye week, it's it's not going to be an easy transition if the Dolphins were to pull it off. Okay, that's my spiel on the uh, trade talks right now. So let's fuel the rumor now. What do you guys think it would take to get Bo out of Kansas City? I'd like well, I'd like to give them our backup quarterback and, and a late-round pick, but I don't know if that'll do it. I think more probably would be in the trade talks because they – obviously, Castle's hurt. He has not been playing great, and their backup is Brady Quinn, who, other than being from – Notre Dame, I'm not really sure what he's done. <laughs> so, um, Chris, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I, I kind of think Matt Moore would, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit, and I think Moore makes sense because he has, you know, I think uh, Brian Dable is their offensive coordinator. He's had experience and had success with Dable. And you'd be thinking, well, if they they trade for Matt Moore, if he was involved in that trade, it would be kind of like, well, we're trying to win now. But then, you know, you're giving away probably one of your best offensive pieces. However, they still have Jonathan Baldwin that they they drafted in the first round last year. So it it may be one of those that they know Dwayne Bowe is leaving after this season, and they're not going to re-sign him, so get something while you can. And maybe that you bring in more, and he can kind of channel some of that magic that he did last year and win win a few games for him and keep him out of the cellar. Um, I think he would be involved. I think he would probably take a mid-round pick from us, or there would be some some swapping of picks in there uh, involved to kind of grease that up a little bit. The uh, I don't know if Kansas City fans would be happy about that, but if if because uh, I'm sure they probably are thinking of you know, Geno Smith or Matt Barkley at this point. But um, I think Matt Moore will be involved and and some picks. Yeah, I think think Moore would have to be. um, We we have the extra early picks. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to give up a second or a third, but especially if you're giving up a quarterback that's probably going to become their starter. But that may be what it would take. I, I don't know. And another another part of this trade that would have to get worked out is the fact that we're not going to trade for Dwayne Bow and him on a franchise tag where he could turn around and leave next year. So it's going right. to be one of those. If we trade for him, it's going to be like Marshall where we trade and there has to be a contract involved there. 
that's not only cat friendly to this year, you know, but has you know some hopefully cat friendly next year. So that's gonna because you think if we trade for him and we give him a huge contract, that's gonna affect who we re-sign next year, such as Starks or Smith or Long or whoever. Yep. So. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if the Dolphins would pull it off. I mean, Philbin has said, and from the way the Packers have been built, you can see it, that they're not a trade for a big name or sign a big name guy. They are a build through the draft. And I don't know if going out to get that big name receiver, especially in the middle of the season, is a move that the Dolphins would make. I just it makes sense to some degree, but at the same time, is it really what the Dolphins would do? I don't know. Well, if they are talking and it's not Bo that we're after, are we sending? Are we just sending them our backup QB for picks? Maybe it could be. I mean, that that is a possibility. I don't know if ESPN would consider Matt Moore a big name, but. It very easily could be, and the way we're trying to stockpile picks right now, it kind of makes sense to do that, too. That's not a bad yeah, I mean, idea. I would gladly trade him and just re-sign Gerard, and Gerard's still sitting out there doing nothing. Yep. I think so. And he was further yeah. along than Moore in that offense anyway, so, you know, nothing nothing really lost there, I don't, I don't believe. It would, uh... It would be a matter of it, it would be a matter of where is Gerard health wise. And I mean Devlin did not look that bad. So the Dolphins could go with Devlin as the backup and if something were to happen to Tannehill in the game, it's Devlin's for that game and then they look for a veteran or sign Gerard or somebody. During but was it was it Gerard on the edge of coming back when they cut him? Was it he, that he was trying to, but he wasn't moving at full speed yet. So I think he was still in rehab, but the team realized they had to go. He he had to go because they they couldn't carry four receivers or uh, four quarterbacks. I mean, right? If if they didn't want to carry four receivers. That would be strange. Yeah, that would be <laughs> terrible. But yeah, four, four, wide, four, four QBs is a luxury that you can't afford. And if I'm Miami, I'm I'm trying to move Matt Moore. I mean, yeah, I like the guy, and he did great things for us last year. But he's not coming back next year. I mean, he's not going to come back to be Tannehill's backup. He's going to want to go somewhere and fight for a starting job. And the way Tannehill's playing, you know, he's unless he just completely regresses badly for the rest of the year. You know, this is it's his team now. Moore's out of the picture. So, you know, it might it, to me it makes sense from both perspectives that, hey, we've got a player that we want to get something for before they hit free agency, so let's just throw them in a deal together. And one thing about Joe Philbin is I, I read this, and I think I've mentioned it before, is that he is a fan of Dwayne Bow. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that he likes his skill set and what he brings. So, you know, it may be that this is, you know, the Coach Philbin said, hey, I like this guy. I like what he's going to bring to the table. You know, now 
here's Kansas City's in need of a quarterback. You know, they're they're probably not going to contend for playoffs this year, so they might go on a fire sale with some of their free agents. Hey, let's just, uh, you know, get rid of a guy we're going to lose, pick up a quarterback, see if he can help us some this season, win a few games, and then we'll, you know, deal with it next year. Uh, but they're going to lose both. We're going to lose more. So I think that's a good deal on both sides. Somebody just retweeted the initial tweet that I saw about uh, the trade rumors, and it's it's the one that I was trying to find earlier to post in the uh, article I made about it, and I couldn't. But it just it basically says per at Jason Cole Yahoo on at five sixty WQAM. Dolphins are potentially negotiating a deal for Chiefs stud wide receiver Dwayne Bow. So even there, the word potentially was in there, but it comes across as the Dolphins are doing this and the teams are just trying to work out the deal. And yeah, it it, it spun really fast today. Um, I just got a question of how close are they and how would I gauge the temperature in trade talks? Um, Nobody knows. Probably not close at all. Um, If anything, it's probably just feelers out at this point. But I don't know. Yeah, and the the contract part of that would be what would hold that up. I mean, this isn't going to be a deal. It's just going to happen real quickly because – even if we didn't throw in more or anything, if we just traded just for Bo, we're not trading for that one year. We're not borrowing for a season. So, you know, you've not only got to deal with the Chiefs uh, and what they want for the trade, but then you have to deal with Bo's agent and then working out a contract because, yeah, you may have the trade, you know, worked out perfectly, but at the same time, you know, you're not going to – what if Dwayne Bo doesn't like what you're offering in contract? He's yep. like, I don't want that. So he may say, you know, I don't know if he can reject a trade or whatever. So I think Miami would have, you know, and then even if he does come here, then he says, well, I'm not coming back next year. So, you know, let's say you gave up a second-round pick for him. Well, you lost a second-round pick to rent a guy for 10 games. So I think the contract part would be what holds up negotiations or trade talks more than anything else. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah it, it very much so would be the contract. I mean – I don't know what else they could do. Um, It'll be interesting to watch over the next couple days because now is the time when a trade could be worked out. And I I don't think it's going to be, but it could. But... um, yeah, that's that's probably how I would go with it. Is is a possibility, but I just don't think it's likely. So, uh, well, um, I'm trying to think if if there's anybody else on Kansas City that if this ESPN report and like I said, I haven't ever seen it, so I don't know if. They actually who who is reporting this? If it's somebody with actual NFL collateral, or if it's somebody just randomly deciding to write this. But I'm trying to think of who else could be the big name, and 
I've got one. That's probably it. What's that? It would be Brandon Flowers. He's the only other player on the team that fits a need that we have. Uh, I don't think they would trade Tomba Hali. I don't know that they would oh. fit in our defense. I want we do Tomba. Need, well, <laughs> you know, he's a good pass rusher. I, but I don't think they're going because if they trade for a pass rusher, they're going to have to deal with Audric and moving him around. And I think they're kind of they're fine with their front seven, but we do need some help in the secondary. I don't, I don't. That's the only other big name I could think of. He makes some sense, but you're getting ready to get Richard Marshall back. Carroll's playing well, so Wilson's playing well, so it's kind of like, you know. Yeah, he could start for us, but that might cause some ego issues there. Uh, you know, to me, that's the only other big name. I think if it, if it was going to be a big name, it has to be Bo. <coughs> to me. Eric Berry? Would they? Would the Chiefs even consider trading Berry? Um, I mean, I mean he might be one of those where – you know, everybody's available kind of thing. I I don't think they would give up on him after a couple of seasons. Yeah, he's a first-round pick, top 10 pick in 2010. So I don't think they'd give up on him that fast, but I'm just trying to think of anybody on the Chiefs. I don't know. Um, Kermit, well, we, we've, we've, we've seen Barry Jackson saying – a three and a seven for Bo, and that it's potentially done. Uh, we've also seen Barry Jackson saying that the uh, the Marlins have traded Heath Bell for a Rod. So I, I'm, I'm thinking there's probably a lot of tongue in cheek on this right now from him, but I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah, if we got Bo for a third and a seven, I think that's that's a steal for us. Uh, yeah, if it's a third and a seven, I'm okay with it. If it if we're giving up Matt Moore, I have an issue with a third, but I'm not going to complain about it too much. I mean, I would not. I definitely wouldn't go second if you're giving up a quarterback too, especially a quarterback that could be starting for them. But I don't know. It's an interesting discussion, um, and listeners slash readers uh if you uh if, if you want to weigh in of course give us a call 347-326-9461 and i did that without even looking at it wow that's the first time i've realized i have that number memorized now <laughs> but give us a call 347-326-9461 or you can tweet us using the hashtag finsider and of course we have the live thread up on the site as we do every week during the show. So you can uh, get a hold of us in many ways. We'll definitely keep talking about this throughout the show tonight. Um, one of the things that just came up, and be serious, I thought about it earlier, and then he posted it just now um, in the thread, which reminded me of it. The, the, the most interesting part of this discussion is the two – GM's most under fire in the NFL are the Dolphins Ireland and the Chiefs Scott Pioli. And supposedly those two are working out a trade. Those two are also Bill Parcells' disciples. So it's like we're just going in the family here. 
And apparently our family has changed from the Dallas Cowboys finally. So <laughs> Yeah, and and I think you know, speaking of that, I think you're talking about two GMs that could be heading in, in opposite directions. Yes. Um because Ireland's draft so far looks like it may be really good. Uh, you know, Olivier Vernon stepped up in a big way this game. Lamar Miller's played well. Uh, Jonathan Martin is learning and growing. Ryan Tannehill looks like he's the real deal. And so if, if this trade happens, uh, I think you're, you're looking at two fan bases that the chasm, you know, in terms of that direction they're moving would get even wider because I think the Kansas City people are just – they're so fed up with – Scott Pioli. They're just ready for him to go and get out of town. I mean, they, like went we so far, Ireland. they went so far. Ireland. They went so far as to fly a banner calling for him to fly. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let's <laughs> say Ireland picks up Bo and suddenly know, well, hey, we've got this alpha receiver. We've, our offense is improving. We've got that guy, Hartline's going to be a lot more open now. We've got these weapons and Tannehill's growing. All of a sudden, they're trading for Matt Moore if he's in the deal, and they're like, um, you know, if, if they traded for him and make him the starting quarterback, they're they're sitting here thinking. So you're trying to win a few extra games this year. It was kind of like how the Dolphins fans were last year with the whole suck for luck. It's like, oh, we won some games, you know. Oh, we missed out on Andrew Luck, which we got Tannehill, and that worked out, I think. But I can see how you know the fan base is just how our fan base kind of react in a positive way to that trade, and the Kansas City fans would react very negatively to that trade. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I'm going to change the subject for just a minute because I just got it pointed out to me where the question was. Uh, at Dolphin518, which is Patrick H., tweeted me. Ooh, I got to use my Twitter tweet, my Twitter sound too. Listen to that. Uh, he said, hey, guys, who is the biggest overachiever and underachiever so far this season in your opinion? Rashad is his over and Rashad Jones, and Jake Long is his underachiever. So, Chris, who do you think is – the Dolphins overachiever and underachiever this year? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, I'll have to pretty much agree with him. I, I, I think you could put Hartline in the overachiever section, but then again, it may have been that, hey, he's been there all along and we just tried to force feed Brandon Marshall the ball the past two yep. years and didn't really get to showcase what he had. But, you know, everybody talks about Very wide true. receiver, and we're still talking about getting a wide receiver. And a safety was another big another big issue. And, and here, you know, Jones was rated uh, number one on uh, pro football focus last week. He's not, you know, not been playing as badly as we kind of expected him or he did last year. So he's improved a lot. So I can see right. him being the uh, overachiever. And then, of course, you know, I think he's right with Jake Long, and I think it's just from expectations. I mean, Long is playing – I looked at an article on PFF today, and he was rated like tenth or something uh, in terms of pass pass rushing, uh, pass protecting productivity, or whatever they called it. Um, in terms of the, you know the number of uh, sacks, hits, and hurries that he's given up, he was in the top ten in the league. So it's not that he's playing badly; it's just we expect him to be you know super duper elite at his position, and he's not playing to that standard. And so yeah. Um, I can see that, how he's underachieving there. Which uh, I'm looking at Pro Football Focus's ranks right now, and he is Jake Long is 34th overall between all the tackles in the league. And so you guys understand the way that Pro Football Focus does their rankings. 
for like tackles and guards. It's not left tackles and right tackles. It's all tackles. So when it's 34, that's not 32 starting teams. That's 64 starting tackles. So he's right in the middle of the tackles. When you do it just pass blocking, they're ranking him as number 11. So he's jumping way up in pass blocking, but his run blocking and his number of penalties is what's getting him down right now. He has a negative 3.4 on the season in run blocking and a negative 1.2 in penalties. So he's given up two sacks, two quarterback hits, and three quarterback hurries, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's long. Um, I'll let you go, James, and then I'll give you my two. Uh, who's overrated and underrated for you this year? Did I lose James? Oh, James is screening a call right now. He would, right as I ask him a question, try to screen a call. <laughs> so I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and give my answer. Um, underachieving, I I'd probably say long. Um, that's really, I mean, that's probably the right choice because of what we expect of him. I, I don't think that he is – I really don't think it's – he's playing badly. I think it's like you said. I think it's we expect so much of him that it makes it look bad. It, it makes thing. It makes him look bad because of how much we expect of him. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, I, if you allowed me to pick – somebody not on the team anymore, I'd probably say Legadoon and E. But he's gone, so I'll probably stick with uh with Jake Long. It might be unfair simply because of how much we expect from him, but I'll go with him. Um I'm trying to think on defense who I would probably give it to. Um Underachieving on defense. Yeah, I, I'm. If we're going to do it in, in you know, offense and defense, I'm going to say Jared Audrick. Um because that's not been, a bad choice. You know, he's been a, a rock when it comes to uh, run defense, but he's not getting any pressure on the quarterback. And you know, we're having to get pressure by you know from Wake and then usually blitzing, and he's not generating the type of pressure that we hoped. He can generate, and it, it's, it's the point that you know, if let's say Vernon steps up and keeps you know getting some sacks and keeps showing that he can uh, create this pressure, that you know Vernon could take that starting job away from him. He is, he is the worst ranked or scored um, player on our defense right now. Is Jared Odrick? He has a negative nine point one overall. The next person is Nolan Carroll at negative three point six. So he's almost three times as bad as anybody else, according to Pro Football Focus. And again, I know people have issues with it, with the way Pro Football Focus works. Of course, there is some subjectivity to it. They try hard to keep it as objective as they can. Um, but his run defense is a positive two. His pass rush is a negative 13.4. And to give you a... 
idea of what a negative 13.4 is, the only other person to have any sort of double-digit ranking is Cameron Wake with a positive 26.5. Everybody else is between, it looks like, a 6.3 for Randy Starks down to a 1.9, negative 1.9 for Tony McDaniel. So, I mean, everybody else is between 6 and negative 2, and Odrick is at negative 13. Just on pass rushing alone. So, yeah, Jared Odrick makes sense. I can go with that. Um, overachieving, I might actually go with Starks. I know that he's been a pro bowler before. He's always played at a high level. But would anybody have said that he could be up in the top one or two defensive tackles in the league, which is where he's been most of this year? Um, I, I don't think we saw that coming. Uh, he's number four right now, according to Pro Football Focus, in the league of D tackles. So I, I'd probably go with him. Um, I know part of that is Paul Soliai is getting double teamed, which is freeing up Starks and letting him get in there. But, I mean, he's still in the top at least the top five defensive tackles in the league right now. And looking at this, Geno Atkins is number one, and Starks is the second highest AFC defensive tackle. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go with Starks just because I didn't expect him to play at this high level. And on offense, I'm going to go with um, Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to say he's the most overachieving because of how much we were all told he had to develop and he wouldn't be ready and he had to sit on a bench and we would not see him this year because he wouldn't be able to dissect defenses and the game would be too fast for him and everything. And everything we're seeing from him is exactly the opposite of what we were all told. And, uh, the, um, We'll talk it later. I want to talk it some. Uh, I posted an article. If you read it, congratulations. Um, It was a 1,300-word, 1,400-word article that I wrote this morning. But it goes through the fact that the Dolphins are leading the league in no-huddle offense so far this year and how Tannehill is breaking it down. But before we get to that... Uh, we'll go ahead and go back to the bow trade talks. Uh, Brian or B Serious seventy two is on the line with us now. So Brian, how are you today? Hey, what's up, Kev? Can you hear Not me? All right. Much. Yep, I got you. Nice. Cool. What this kind of my, word uh, first was that? Call in. So uh, this is my uh, introductory call. Well, welcome. Hey. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate it. I, so you know, because I saw it in your uh, in the thread. Obviously, I'm Kevin. Chris it has the nice North Carolinian accent, and then <laughs> and then you talked to uh, James, who is my call screener. So now you know who's who on the um, podcast. Uh, cool. Thanks for the intro. Yep, Brian. I am going to go ahead and let you start talking. Chris, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and uh, dialogue with him. 
and welcome in Keith, who just got on the air. So, Keith, welcome to the show. Uh, um, I'll let you guys talk to Brian for a little bit. My headset is about to die because it is beeping in my ear. So I'm going to get off the air for just a second so I can get my batteries changed out, and I'll be right back. Great. That's what you got. I am Co. All right, uh, Brian, tell us what the, what do you think about this uh, Dwayne Bow uh, rumor going around? All right, well, um, I'll touch up a little bit on what Kev said. Um, for the most part, I agree with um, what most of you guys were saying. I think just like any rumor out there, you know, a lot overblown, and, you know, I am as guilty as anybody whenever you hear a big play guy, especially a wide receiver, uh, ever since Brandon Marshall's been gone, I've been – Craving to get another guy uh, in Miami. Obviously, you know, we've had the heart line talks. If, you know, is he a legitimate number one? I think we all agree that he's a good receiver and we want to keep him around, but, you know, it's not, doesn't hurt to get some extra help. And, you know, the two names that keep popping up are Greg Jennings, obviously, from, uh, you know, bringing in Philbin's guy, and Dwayne Bowe, who keeps popping up as well. Uh, the one thing that I thought was pretty humorous, which I figured I'd share with you guys, and not sure if you remember this, but Dwayne Bowe was actually rumored to go to Miami back in July, and uh, it was brought up by Twitter, and uh, two Miami Dolphins actually invited him via Twitter to join the Dolphins and come to Miami, and those two Dolphins are were Chad Johnson and Vontae Davis, who are currently not on the team, <laughs> so I, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys remember that, but, um, you know, there was some talk back in July, and they mentioned that fact. So um, I think it makes sense. Um, you know, obviously with any caliber, I mean, he's a big-time receiver. You know, that would be pretty big news. Uh, and I'm sure the Chiefs don't want to see him walk away for nothing, but he's a free agent next year. He's already franchise tagged. They'd have to do it again. You know, financially it doesn't make that much sense for them to do it, especially if he's disgruntled. Uh, I currently think, I think pretty highly of the Chiefs. I mean, right now I think they're the worst team in football. But when you look at the roster and the talent that they have, you can make a case that, you know, they have top players at each position, you know. And the only thing that they're inconsistent as is their quarterback. And they remind me a lot of Miami last year where we have all this promise, but, you know, not consistency at the quarterback position. So, you know, I think if they draft a quarterback, they're right where we are this year, if not better, in a weaker division. So, uh, I think it makes sense. I don't know. I haven't heard any of your guys' take, so I'm not. I'm kind of curious to see if you know you like the idea. I don't think we should give up too much, but you know, what are you guys thinking? Well, as I, I said earlier, that um, you know, I, I think it makes sense, like you said, for both teams. I think that. Um, I think. I don't know how Miami feels about it, but I would want to include Matt Moore as part of the deal. I think that would kind of. That would kind of help things along because they need to have the quarterback. He has familiarity yeah. and has some success with Dayball. Um, and he's a guy that we're going to lose this offseason. He's not coming back. Bo is a guy I they're agree. losing next year. He's not coming back. So get some get something for the guys while you can and for a deal that makes sense for both teams. Now, I think, as I said, that the holdup would be getting a contract in place uh, that Dwayne Bo likes because we're not renting him for ten games. So we're going to have to have a long-term contract ready for him when he, if we did trade for him so that he would, you know, tra- 
trade happens, he signs, he's here for four or five years or whatever the deal would be. Yeah. So, you know, it makes sense. I don't know that it will happen, but uh, I see how it could work. And um, I think Keith, I think I know how he would feel about it, but how do you, what do you think about the deal? Over the last three years, seems like it's always that guy. I remember three years ago, I was talking to James about this earlier, but it seems like uh, three years ago, right at the trade deadline, we were just certain we were going to trade like Ted Ginn and Ted Ginn's family and uh, a bunch of, uh, I think a couple, of, like a fifth for Dwayne Bowe. So, I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see it because uh, another thing I was talking about with James is with the within the first five picks, that we have in the draft, I expect two of those to be used on a receiver. So if we use one of those picks for Bo, well, I mean, then and that's that's justified in my opinion, and then we can build on that. But like uh, the other guy said, I don't want to give up too much. Like I wouldn't give up a two for Dwayne Bo right now. Yeah, and, I wouldn't uh, either. I, I have no idea what Kansas City is asking for Dwayne Bo because I don't really know what their situation. Uh, is internally. I know that a lot of people think Scott Peel is going to be fired. Uh, From what it sounds like, Kansas City is the front runner to have the number one pick, even more so than Cleveland or Jacksonville right now. Uh, Everyone hates their quarterback. So, I mean, they've got a lot of... It it kind of sounds like us, actually. I feel for these guys. Because, I mean, not long ago, we were in their position. But, I mean, I'm not really sure what, what they're looking for. I mean, we traded... Brandon Marshall, who I I don't know if you guys would agree, I think he's somewhere in in the ballpark of a Dwayne Bow. I don't think he's as uh, he has as much of a pure play playmaking potential as Bow. But I mean, they're both what, what we would consider like number one type receivers, even though the West Coast doesn't really rely on a number one type all the time. So we traded two threes for Brandon Marshall. So you have to think if we are going to trade for Dwayne Bow, well, what do we give up then? Is it two threes again? Three, you know, three and a four. Is it more? Is it less? Um, I'll jump back in here. I think uh, I I I I go back to Matt Moore would have to be involved. I think that they would yeah. have to go with Moore because obviously um, you have Matt Castle who's hurt, and then you're going to look at. Um, whether or not uh, Quinn is worth anything. And so far in his career, he hasn't proven that he is. So I, I, I go back to, I think it has to be, uh, I think it has to be Matt Moore involved. And if Matt Moore is involved, that's where I start to come down on the two is way too high. Three, I mean, you're giving up a guy that's going to be a starting quarterback for them. So, I don't know. No, he's not. And obviously his his value goes down when they can go, well, he's not your starter. But we can also say, well, he's going to be your starter. So it's a matter of figuring out how to work out that value. Yeah, I I think more adds to our leverage in the negotiations because – yeah, we'd like to have Dwayne Bowe, but we can we have proven this season that we can win without him. 
they have not proven that they can win with what they have at quarterback. So I think you could kind of use that as a little bit of uh, leverage there to say, hey, you know what, Matt Moore has shown he can win in the league. He did last year, and your guy can't win in the league, and we can win without your guy. But, you know, you, you know, our guy's going to help you win. Your guy's going to help us win a little bit. But I think I think throwing more in there helps our negotiations more than anything else. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree, but the thing is, if they're going to draft a quarterback in uh, spring, then how how far are they going to go? To this? I'm beginning to think Keith might be on the uh, space trip with uh, with the guy from uh, <laughs> or from St. Louis. Yeah. But Keith, we're, you're, you're breaking up badly today. Are you there, Keith? But I, I think I know what he was saying, though, about if they're going to plan on drafting a guy, if they're going to go after Barkley or Smith or whoever, how much do they want to commit to a guy like Matt Moore? Yep. And if, you know, and no GM or coach or anybody is going to say, hey, let's lose games to get a better draft spot. But, yeah. I mean, in a sense, they're kind of saying, you know, hey, we're going to, this season's gone. Let's just fire sale everybody and not pick up a guy. So that I can see where he's coming off. You know, do they want to commit to a Matt Moore? Now, they're not going to commit to Matt Moore like we would have to make a commitment to Dwayne Bowe. However, I could see, I could see how they could use that. It's like, hey, you know what? You're going to come in and start and kind of be like how Matt Moore was for us last year. You come in if you win a bunch of games, we might draft a guy, and then you can you compete with him. It kind of sucks for Matt Moore, but I think them going for Matt Moore helps them, uh, you know, more so than uh, – yeah, it helps them in the sense that they don't necessarily have to commit to him and give him a long-term contract. They can rent him as a stopgap until they draft a guy, <laughs> and, he could, and he could still get wins for him this year. Poor Matt Moore. He's just always a stopgap. No, no, he gets no respect. Anywhere he goes, he's their stopgap. <laughs> and he's a better fit for their offense anyway. No, I think Matt Moore is a piece. I mean, you got to look at what they need and what, what you know, we are willing to give away. And, you know, the question is, I mean, are we willing to roll with Tannehill and Devlin? I mean, you look at quarterbacks, if something happens to Tannehill, we got nobody. We got Devlin. Um, I like Devlin. I, I would be willing to do it um, just because – you know, we're rebuilding anyway. I think it's, you know, we're in a better position to kind of go that way. And if the Chiefs go and decide that Matt Moore is their option, then I still think they're going to look at the draft. I just, I look at the Chiefs and I look at their division, I still have trouble thinking that they are the worst team in football. I think they're going to turn it around a little bit. And by the end of the year, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal. You know, Pioli might lose his job in, in the process, possibly, um, you know, especially because the fan base in, up there in KC going to Arrowhead is pretty insane. So, you know, they don't tolerate losing too well. And they were supposed to be pretty good this year. But, um, you know, I think Matt Moore's a piece. I was on record saying, you know, Moore, a third, and a possible conditional fourth based on what Kevin's saying. That might be a little too much. You know, I don't want to overpay. I think a second is out of the question. But um, I think, you know, it comes down to finding something that's comfortable. Uh, you know, what the, I forgot who, who mentioned it, but, you know, one of the other guys said that uh, 
we were looking to draft at least two receivers in our top five picks. So, I mean, you you deal a third or something like that, and that, you know, you substitute that for a Dwayne Bow, and, you know, any receiver you get in the third round is not going to be of Dwayne Bow's caliber. Obviously, you have to pay Dwayne Bow. You know, if you bring him in, he's going to get a four- or five-year deal possibly, and you have to commit to that type of receiver. So that's a big decision that Ireland has to make, and it's going to go on the – Ireland bandwagon as well, if it's a good move and a good financial move as well. But, uh, you know, I think more is the the deal. I think Ireland and Peoli are definitely talking. I would be willing to offer a third and a possible conditional fourth um, and just kind of roll the dice. But I wouldn't – I would stick to my guns, and if they don't like it, then, you know, I think he might even be available as a free agent next year. We can save our picks. Yep. He very well could be a free agent next year. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're going to franchise him again. And he wow. he has made no in, uh, no no statements that seem to say that he would be willing to resign with them. So yeah, I, I think he's out of there. And this could be their one chance to try to move him. Well. What, what if we're making it? We're doing this to make a push for the playoffs this year, though. It it could make sense. I mean, it very well could. I mean, and then you have to ask yourself how how much is Dwayne Bow worth to this offense right now? Because I mean, this isn't like baseball where you just take a guy and then he comes in, you bring him in on Friday and he's playing for you on Saturday. You know, this is yep. something where I mean, he's going to have to come in and I mean, the, it's it's possible that he doesn't give us what we want right away. But on, on the other side of the coin is the fact that with how well Ryan Tannehill is playing, the Dolphins almost owe it to him to enable him as much as possible. And if that means bringing in Dwayne Bow to do Brian a favor, then I'm all for it. But it's got to be it's got to be the right price. Because I mean, Kansas City wants to make something off him, like you guys both said. I and I agree. I don't think they're going to resign him. I don't think they're going to franchise him. Nope. I think they have. I think they have other things they have to do next year, and he's yeah. not in the long-term plans. So, and like like I mentioned earlier, yeah, we are. I would expect us to take two receivers within the the first five picks, and I would expect probably a one or two, one or three to go toward receivers. Yep. So, I mean, if you're using that three and Dwayne Bow, and I, uh, James and I were talking about this earlier too. But, I mean, Duke was talking about. He is a, was a huge fan of both. I'm sorry, I, I I didn't hear you say again. Uh, is where's Duke at? He's on. Is he on? Where did you yeah. hear that Sullivan's a a big fan of Dwayne Bow? Because I remember you, you. You know, I don't remember. I read it. I think it was back earlier in the off season when you know they were still talking about oh we need receivers and stuff and and. I can't remember. It was some some one of the beat writers or something had mentioned that um, that Philbin was a fan of Dwayne Bow and and liked him. I I can't tell you who it was. I just know I, I saw it on the internet from some beat writers. So I don't remember who it was and when I read it, but and so I mean you, you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. That's just something that I read that may or may not be true. It, at the time I read it, it sounded credible to me. Yeah. I mean, 
it, it makes sense. Like I said, we've talked about Dwayneville coming to Miami for forever, it seems. You know, since since early in the Sperano. And Bogey is uh, something that the offense lacks right now. That is a guy that can get open on the slant and a red zone target. That's two things we don't have right now. The, our, our best Huge red, red zone, zone target. Do what? No, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but he's a huge red zone target. I mean, he's one of the premier red zone guys. You know, he's not the quick Greg Jennings receiver, but, I mean, you look at Hartline, who could possibly be that guy. You know, he's Hartline's quick, whether he want, if the media wants to believe it or not. But, you know, exactly like you were saying, Bo is a yeah. legit red zone uh, target. He gets all his touchdowns in the 20-yard line, and that would be huge for Tannehill to have. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our red zone by our best rates on target right now would probably would probably be Anthony Cassano. I mean, he's the only yeah. guy that they at the goal line. You'd expect that you know has the size and everything to to get open down there. And uh, you know, if you look at what Mike Sherman brought from Texas A and M, I mean, he had Jeff Fuller, who was a you know a big, big body physical wide receiver. So Bo kind of fits that category and would, and would give us a guy that can get open in the red zone. Uh, and help other guys get open in the red zone, and would also um, give us a guy that, you know, we tried to use Nani on the slants, and he didn't do it. Um, you know, Hartline can't seem to be the guy that can get yak on, on those little short patterns, and I think Bo is a guy that can. So, I mean, you know, when we got those, you know, when Tannehill goes into those three-step drops and throws, he's got, you know, Hartline over there. It's one of those he might catch it, he might not. He might be covered. Bo is a guy that most of the time is going to be open on that, and, and it's going to that would help our offense out in, in just those two areas, you know, not counting everything else once he gets the playbook. So, I mean, it, it would be a it would be a great pick or a great pickup for us. Well, suppose we get we don't get that pickup. How do you think? How long do you think we we wait before we get a receiver next spring? Think we take one the first? You think we we let it sit for a while? Because I mean, I go back and forth on this because it's not it's not in this current regime's DNA to take a receiver in the first round. But yeah. there's some mighty good ones who should be available who it fit to a T what we're looking to do. I can think of two right right off the top of my head that are are just like a immediate plug you know plug and go. So, uh, who are your two guys? I'm, I'm thinking I know I know one of them. I don't know who the second one is. Are you reading? Oh, you, well, I mean, I've yeah. talked about yeah, them before. Yeah, who's the guy? Uh, well, the guy who's the knockout shit is Robert Hood from USC. But I mean, you can make a case that I mean, he'd fit a lot of people, a lot of schemes. I mean, like he's a he's like a faster Reggie Wayne type. That's it. And he he's got some Greg Jennings in him too. But I mean, he's just. He, he's just crazy. I mean, he doesn't have he doesn't have a big body, which I think might hurt him for some teams. Although I mean, it, it ended up not hurting Justin Blackman because everyone I remember people were trying to mark him down because he's only six foot, and that ended up not being a big deal. But uh, the other guy is uh, Allen from from Cal, and some somebody yeah. on the site was talking about how he doesn't want Cal receivers, and it's I get that, but uh, this guy is different. I, I've watched him. I've watched a lot of his stuff this year. And he plays on a really, really strong California team. I mean, the, they suck this year. And, I mean, and he's just out there doing it. So, I love Allen. I think he's uh, he'd be my top guy. I don't think the regime would go uh, receiver first. 
because, like you said, there are a couple of good names, and you know how those one or two guys will always drop. But, you know, we have five picks in the first three rounds, and uh, I think if we don't go Bo, you know, a receiver in the second and a receiver in the third is not out of the question. You know, you look at a guy like a Woods or Allen or Hunter from Tennessee who might drop in the second round, and, I mean, we probably have a couple early second-round picks, and, uh, you know, if one of those guys are there, I mean, we can plug them in for our number one receiver. Uh, yeah. And, you know, let them develop with Tannehill. And then you look at, you know, the third round, there'll be a bunch of, you know, West Coast guys that could be quick. You know, the guy that comes to my mind that I have a man crush on right now is uh, Tavon Austin from West Virginia. You know, there you, you know, go. Smith has been making him look nice. So I that's think Kevin's going to agree with me on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but, that's um, my guy. you know, you get two of those guys <laughs> without a bow, and, I mean, you save a lot of money, and you might be able to – you know, re-sign, you know, Jake Long and Reggie Bush if you go that route. So, I mean, that's another way to look at, too. And I'm sure Ireland's exploring both options. But you look at guys like that, and it's easy to get excited. But, you know, Bo is, for a third-round pick, you know what I mean, if they're willing to pay for it, you can't get a player of his caliber in the third round. But it just depends what you want to do and how you want to go forward with the franchise. And, you know, we have to be patient as Dolphin fans. Obviously, we want the best receivers now, but – you know, we're all pretty content on the way everything's going, so we got to trust it, you know, and just continue to ride the wave while it's going good. Yeah. I, will, exactly. I like uh, I like Williams from Baylor, too. We, we yeah, don't really talk about him much, but and he's playing yeah, really well, too, considering, considering what Baylor lost uh, um, before this season. So, I, I don't know. The, the thing is, uh, I don't want to use uh, first round pick on a receiver just because uh, as Kevin will tell you I am like, a fanatic about stacking our secondary I am not a big fan of what we have going on in the secondary right now and I think we yeah. could probably use a linebacker too at some point because we don't have a lot of depth so that, that's kind of where I'm at so I, that plays in the hands of if we can get Bo for not a huge price I mean if it's reasonable and, and it's fair I mean, and it would be more fair to to us than them because I mean, Kansas City, you know, so or close to re- they could be rebuilding, and I think they will be. So I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, I I think the first pick's got to go secondary. I mean, the only exception I can see is I know a lot of people have a. Uh, um, man crush on that linebacker from Notre Dame. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Can anyone help me out? Tay- Tayo? Tayo. Tayo. Yeah, I mean, it, he would be a replacement for Dansby, obviously, but, you know, you look at a guy like that, you know, that has that captain mentality, and that's exactly what this defense needs. You know what I mean? We have Dansby right now, but we're lacking, you know, we're a young stud defense, and we're lacking that one guy that's going to, you know, come in and be – you know, our Jason Taylor, our Zach Thomas, the face of our defense for a while. Um, you know, we have Cameron Wake, but, you know, he came in a little bit later in his career, and we, you know, that veteran leadership is just crucial. I mean, just imagine this team, you know, right now, our secondary, if we had a healthy Ed Reed out there. You know what I mean? doesn't have to be the, the fastest, the strongest, but, you know, one of the smartest guys out there. So I think uh, if we don't go after the linebacker, if he's available, I think a top safety is a smart pick. You know, the uh, guy that jumps out to me is uh, Reed from LSU. Obviously, there's a couple other guys. There's a guy from Oklahoma looks good. 
Or you go for a stud cornerback. You know what I mean? Uh, the guy from uh, NC State. You got uh, the guy from Alabama, Milliner. And um, there's one or two other cornerbacks that are studs too. So I definitely agree with you. I don't think we touch wide receiver with our first pick at all. Um, there's just way too many holes still need to get filled. But look for the Dolphins to get, you know, a, a guy like a linebacker or safety that can come in and be a, a veteran leader if they don't end up going with a lockdown corner that falls in our lap. Well, but if I if we had like a, a mid-round pick right now, uh, I would say that Milner's probably the most ideal, and that kills me because I really hate Alabama. It, yeah, it's too. school absolutely <laughs> sick of me, but he is good. Like, I mean, I, I've watched that guy. People. <laughs> oh. He, like, he, but he, I mean, he's he's the real deal, and he's. Uh, I think he's going to end up being the the top corner. Plus, uh, see, coming out of Woodward Ball. So first, it was Reed, and then you mentioned Jefferson from Oklahoma, and then yes, like Jefferson. Elam from Florida is a big deal. Williams from Georgia is playing really well. Vaccaro from Texas. I mean, these guys are suddenly just everywhere, and I mean, like, and they're all good players, and we could probably get one of them in the in the second round. Uh, and then um, you mentioned Teo, and Teo it would be ideal just because he is a leader. But you know who? I, if we can't get him, and we want to do something at linebacker, and we're in the possibly going best players, uh, the guy I'm really liking right now is Ogletree from Georgia, and he's just been shooting up draft boards since he got back. Is he a middle so, linebacker? Because I yeah. I know uh, Jarvis Jones is big, and that's another position we haven't really talked about. I mean, we have. We have some depth, you know, on our defensive ends and linebacker, outside linebacker. But I mean, still continue. To, we need, you know, that consistent push opposite awake. We got a couple guys, you know, Vernon gets my game ball last week. Just like, can a guy like that do that consistently? So I mean, you know, a guy like that might be available. But I think, you know, a middle linebacker might be the way to go and kind of replace Dansby and just get a leader. You know what I mean? I feel like we. Yeah. Uh, we need one. And it would get those steps because then we can move Dansby around if, if he sticks around, you know. I mean, because he's proven that. I mean, we can kick him toward the outside. But I, I think I think Jones is going to be or Jarvis Jones is going to be long gone. I think he's probably going to be like a top three, top four player. I I, I can see that. A lot of people will get on the Von Miller comparison, which I don't. I don't think he's. There's things he does better than Von Miller. I think he's better than Von Miller. I, he's not as fast. Von, Von Miller is a freak in terms of athleticism, but I think Jarvis Jones did a lot of things better than Von Miller did when he was playing at Texas A&M. So I don't think we'll even miss that guy. But I, and I don't even know if we get to it. I think Taylor will go in the, the top ten. If, if Keekley, I think he's better, uh, overall better linebacker than Keekley. Keekley was a – people started really getting into that guy last year because he was uh, – a safe pick and a great tackle and everything, but Taylor might be the total package. If you if you created a a, a middle linebacker and I think as long as you're not making the guy like six foot eight or whatever the 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 height uh, the height maximum is, I think it would look like Taylor, and it, it, he would have the the attributes too. So you you do love you some Taylor. I do. Guy's like a vacuum cleaner. He's just always in there. I mean, and he doesn't make every play. He's not perfect. 
there's plenty of tape where you see, like, I mean, uh, he's on the ground or, or he goes ahead and he over-pursues. I mean, that stuff is in there, but you watch and it's just, you, you can see everything he puts on tape, and then you see how he goes ahead and pretty much runs that Notre Dame defense, which is a hell of a defense right now. Yeah. No, absolutely. I see three things from him. I see, I see leadership, I see intelligence, and I see a high motor. You know, that guy's not going to quit. So I think that's a uh, high motor. Got a high motor. Exactly. Oh, man. You know, uh, just to really kind of make fun of the people who gave us such some crap for drafting Tannehill, uh, imagine if we were, if we hadn't taken Tannehill, if we passed on him and we, we went ahead and took some, I don't know, like a linebacker or pass rushers. Imagine we take Copel, the number eight overall last year. So now chances are we're looking for a quarterback. I would not feel good about looking for a quarterback in this upcoming draft at all. Yes. Nope. And remember, everybody absolutely absolutely wanted Barkley last year. And yeah. I put it up on Facebook earlier this year already. And I talked to you about it and you when I said I was gonna do it, you 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 responded, Keith, that it was uh it was mean to do, but I did it anyway and put it on Facebook. <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna regret going back to college more in the end? Barkley or Landry Jones? And the answer probably both. Yep. Yeah, I think they I both think are killing themselves right now. Well, Jones murdered himself last year, and Oklahoma's murdering him. I mean, yeah. both are – I mean, it's self-inflicted, but, I mean, then they bring in the Tebow clone, that, that man-child yeah. who comes in. And I, I look – the thing is, uh, I, I was I was at the bar last Saturday afternoon, and uh, I had the score for the Texas-Oklahoma game came up, and obviously I see it's a blowout. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe Landry Jones is getting it together and just – Flashing these guys to pieces, and then I see the stat line, and that bell guy has like four touchdowns. I'm like, God, yeah. they are killing him. They're just yep. doing him such a disservice. But the thing is, I mean, uh, he's one of those guys where coming up to the season, it's really hard not to be impressed by him because he's got a fantastic arm. He w- his accuracy is is looking like the Titanic right now. Uh, it's going down, but at one point, I mean, that guy just had pinpoint accuracy, nice strong arm, good size, looked good in the pocket. He even was occasionally able to do stuff outside the pocket. The the real irony here is the fact that people people have said that they would take Barkley over Tannehill because Barkley's the more polished product. You know what you're getting in him, better leader, uh, smarter, and I just. I mean, I I understand that Tannehill had inside info, was able to pick up this offense immediately, but I'm not at all convinced that Mark, Matt Barkley is more polished guy than Tannehill at this point. No. All you heard was raw, 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 raw this, raw that, and all I see from yeah. this guy is the fact that he makes great decisions. And I mean, his upside—that's the whole—that's the whole trick with upside. I mean, he could he could get a little bit better. He could be twice as good this time next year. Well, before we go on, uh, Brian, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Um, okay. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. And yep. Uh, yep. we'll be back on next week if you want to call in then. All right. Sounds good. I should be around. You yeah, have a good night. All right. Take it easy, guys. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Um, <clears throat> going on with uh, Tannehill, a couple things that I'm just going to throw out there, and then, uh, Keith, I'll let you – 
talk more on Tannehill. Um, Can't wait. <laughs> first one is on uh, NFL Network today. I think it was today. It was either today or yesterday. Uh, Kurt Warner did his weekly rundown of the top five quarterbacks in the league going into the next week and based on what they did the previous week. So it's not necessarily a cumulative over the season, but it's week by week. And Tannehill was his fifth quarterback. It was tied with Russell Wilson. So somehow two rookies made the top five, but Tannehill was up there. So he's starting to get the notice, the notice around the league that he's doing something special down here in Miami. And then the other piece of that is the article that I mentioned earlier. The Dolphins run a or run the no huddle more than anybody else in the league. And when they do run no huddle, they're averaging almost a yard more per play than what they are when they huddle up. And Tannehill talked about it during his press conference. They asked him about running the no huddle. And he said, look, it's – and you'll see it. They sugar huddle. So the linemen and the uh, backs go up to Tannehill, get the call, and move out. The wide receivers just stay wide and get hand signals. So um, it's, it's a semi-huddle. And Tannehill said it that he's in constant contact with the backs and with the linemen. He spends the whole time on the sidelines talking to the wide receivers and making sure everybody's on the same play. And if he feels he needs to talk to everybody, he'll call them in and huddle. So it's his decision on whether they huddle or not. Um, Mike Sherman said that, hey, we like the tempo. We want to go faster. We're not going fast enough yet. But what we like is getting – or doing the no huddle and getting to the line of scrimmage with 18 seconds left to go on the play clock, even if we take it all the way down to one second, the fact that we get up there that fast, one, can prevent the defense from substituting, and two, it lets Tannehill see the defense. And he has 17 seconds that he can sit there and figure out, okay, this is what they're doing, this is the look, and he has the freedom to audible to whatever he needs to. He makes the coverage calls and... Uh, Richie Incognito talked about it, and it's in that article too, that Ryan's making the right calls. He is perfectly orchestrating this offense to go against the defense that he has seen, and it's working dead on accurately. So I, I, I don't know. The more I read about Tannehill, the more I watch Tannehill, the more I'm impressed I am with him. And I went into the draft thinking he was the right pick then. So I'm just amazed at what this kid can do. And there's the uh, kid reference for you, Keith, that I know you love. But uh, (laughs) what this kid can do is amazing. And does it mean that he's going to be Dan Marino or that he's going to be Bob Greasy and he's going to be a Hall of Famer for the Dolphins? No. Does it mean that he's going to be a 15-year starter for the team? No. But today in week six, heading into the bye week in week seven – I am amazed with what Tannehill has done. Well, I mean, and we, well, first of all, I remember you and I talking about Tannehill last spring, and we were we were like, yeah, I mean, we like him, and we'd like to see his pro day. We want to see more. We want to see, we pretty much it was something where we were at the mercy of the Dolphins' front office because they knew right. stuff that no one else knew. So it's something where if they move forward on this guy, then you, you know that they they had the background. Yep. They had the the info on this guy. I mean, it's not uh it wasn't a blind pick. 
Because, I mean, it's funny because I'll still go on, I'll go on YouTube or I'll go on other sites and I'll, I'll watch what other people were saying. Uh, as, as far back as July, like, I'm, I mean, I hate to bring this guy up because he's he's terrible and he's uh, a crime against humanity, but Skip Bayless was just teeing off <laughs> on on the uh, Dolphins' decision to start Ryan Tannehill. He was, he was like, making fun of him, talking about how Joe Philbin was smug and how this was going to bite him in the ass and all this stuff. Well, I mean, we're, we're seeing just how, how badly this is this is bitten the team in the ass. It's bitten us yeah. all the way to three and three, and we should be, you know, we should have five wins right now. Yep. I mean, woulda, shoulda, coulda, whatever. It's his rookie year, but it's something that this team had all the insights in front of. Uh, had his his college coach as an offensive coordinator. I mean, that kind of that that kind of inside information and background it has to be unprecedented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Had to be. So they people treated it like it was some kind of reach when they went for it at number eight. No, that is the safest, most uh, research pick you're ever going to make. Drafting a quarterback is scary because there are so many intangibles that I mean you can't even begin to to understand or get a grasp on in uh, during the draft process. And we had everything. I mean, it's like giving a smart person to teach. I want to. Uh... I'm going to interrupt you for a second just because I read this tweet and I find it funny. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything right now. Um, in case you guys aren't watching it, the uh, Cardinals and Giants National League Championship Series game uh, is coming out of a three-and-a-half-hour rain delay right now. Somebody, for some reason, tweeted to SB Nation's account, at SB Nation, what impact do you think the rain will have on the grass? SB Nation's answer was, might dampen it. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I find that absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> the, answer, the answer was, might dampen it. Yes, I did. You know why? Because I'm the host. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wait a minute. Are you making fun yeah, of me? Wait, now? A, wait a second. <laughs> uh, really pulling for the Giants in that series. So I'm sick of the Cardinals. Sorry to Maddie if he's listening. <laughs> I mean, not to speak from football, but. Am I the only person who who just saw the writing on the wall on Friday night and knew Washington was going to crack that game away? Uh, I, I knew they would, but uh, another Twitter question that I have is, why are people retweeting what the EA Sports Madden game puts out on the Twitter feed? How does that even happen? Wasn't that supposed to be a separate Twitter thing? But somehow people get out these at Matt Miller EA. Every team in the NFL wants to get younger when they can. Dolphins, Raiders, trade draft. Um, saw somewhere else that the Dolphins have fired their entire coaching staff. It's like, <laughs> why do people tweet this stuff out? It, I don't know. Why do people follow Omar's Twitter? Um, like uh, <laughs> because we like to... It's it's a sadomasochist thing. Not for me. I just <laughs> I can only read slap the wrist so many times before I get bored. And it's like I will I will not take quarterback questions. Well, that's not because we're going to ask 
quarterback question. Yeah. That'd be like here's this is we use extreme examples to make a point, but that'd be like after the Holyfield Tyson fight when Tyson did Holyfield's ear off, <laughs> and some guy coming out afterwards saying, "I will take all questions except the stuff about the ear." That's what people want to talk about. <laughs> I like that example. It, it was the most extreme one I could think of, but that's how I feel. It's like we're in the middle of a quarterback controversy. Guess what? Omar doesn't want to, Omar doesn't want to talk about quarterbacks today. He wants to talk about how he ate pudding with his wife, and they watch Think Like a Man and whatever crappy movie he's back. He absolutely hates quarterbacks. It's amazing. He will write about, oh, I really like what Tannehill's done, but – and then he'll have like 12 tweets in a row about how his third down completion rate when the team has 27 yards or more, but less than 42.6 yards to go, is not as high as, and he'll pick something else. And it's like, where do you come up with some of these stats, man? I don't know. He just hates quarterbacks. Well, there's, yeah, but, there needs to be, some common sense needs to be, needs to be uh, used here. Like, for instance, when people complain about the fact that uh, they don't know if, you know, Tannehill doesn't throw a great deep ball. Who's he going to throw a deep ball to right now? Uh, how often does Brian Hartline, I mean, except unless he's playing Arizona, how often does that guy burn a secondary and get behind him and, and get and gets open? Not often. I was I was going to go with Chad Johnson as the answer, but that didn't work. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, he, and you know, even he at, at this point, I don't know. But the thing is, I mean, people sit there and complain, like, oh, well, I need to see the default from him. Now, well, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of this year. But of the town, then, okay, that changes. You're, you're going to see, you're going to see uh, considerably more of that. But until then, until we get those receivers who can flash that kind of speed and get off the line of scrimmage and create after the catch, I mean, you're just not going to. I love some parts of our receiver core. I think we have some really good pieces, but I don't think we've got. I think the quarterback scares uh, other teams. I think Harlan scares other teams, but I don't think our receiver core is going to keep the opposing defensive coordinators up at night. Thinking like, oh man, how do I? It's not like Duper and Clayton are back there with Morph flanking them. Duper and Clayton aren't back there. Can we get them back there? I would take them. Duper would probably play for us if we needed him to. Could we, could we get them back there somehow? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll I also think... take Bruce Hardy. If we accept PFF, he actually is relatively accurate on the deep ball. He, Strange, you're right. He is. He's very accurate on the deep ball. The problem is, like people aren't seeing just enough said, of it. we're not seeing enough of it because people want to see every other throw going deep. And even if, even if we go back to the Chad Pennington dink and dunk offense that won 11 games for the Dolphins – how many people were complaining then that I'm tired of this dink and dunk stuff. I want to see a deep ball. Yeah, I want to see Pennington but throw deep 35 we're, yards. We're winning games. So yeah, it, it, it is. We, we never see the. 
even if we never see the deep ball or even if we saw it 27 times a game, somebody would <clears> complain <throat> that they didn't see it the 28th. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you look at Ryan Hanahill's yards per attempt, he's somewhere like 7.5 or somewhere yeah. like that. I mean, he's higher. He, he's, I think, in the top 12 or 14 in the league in terms of that, as compared to somebody like Mark Sanchez, who's averaging like five and a half yards to throw or some garbage like that. So it's not like he's just dropping these off, in, you know, short pattern. And it's not like we have guys that he's dumping it off you know, a little two-yard pass, and they're running for 20 yards. I mean, a lot of these catches, he throws it to the guy, he gets hit, and he goes down. So, yeah, we're not throwing these, you know, video game, you know, 40-yard bombs all over the place, but he's throwing the ball in, you know, 10 to 15-yard area, and if he wasn't, his yards per attempt would be a lot lower than what it is. Tannehill has a 7.34 yards per attempt average right now, which I makes him... take that. It's 17th in the league. Right behind him are Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Sam Bradford, Philip Rivers, Matt Stafford. Well, uh, so, a question, a question I, I have to tie into that is, how, what is Tannehill going to have to do this season for you guys to consider this a rookie or a successful rookie campaign? Um, show that he can control an offense. Show development week to week and show that he can get over mistakes when he makes them and be able to stand up under pressure. Okay, what I'm looking for, well, I, I obviously want to see all of that, but I, what I'm really uh, aching for right now is a signature win. And I think that if he goes up to MetLife next weekend, does everyone? You a couple of people are like, you know, is this a playoff team? Is this Dolphins team? You know, can they can they do this? Can they get in? Can they can they beat some good teams? And I'm not saying I don't think the Jets are necessarily a good team because of what they did to Indianapolis, but I think if Tannehill and the Dolphins go up there and eats the Jets alive in that place, I, it's on. In my opinion, I think that yeah, we can. I think that could be a statement game. It could be, because and if. If we see that statement win, of course I'm going to want it. Um, I, I still go back to – and this is a discussion that I was having on the site yesterday in the uh, uh, Jeff Ireland um, poll thread. Wins are awesome. I'm absolutely ecstatic that we are winning games right now and that at, after six games, we've already surpassed – some people's expectations for this team this year. But I, I, if we went 3-13 and 13 the rest of this year, of course I'm going to be ticked off as we lose 10 more games. But as long as in week 17, Tannehill is still standing, is showing progression, and is not throwing the ball to... Who do we play in Week 17 this year? The Patriots? Patriots? I think it's the Patriots. Yeah. As long as he's not throwing it to the Patriots every time he drops back, I'm going to be okay with it because he's showing development. Do I want the wins? Of course I want the wins. Do I want to make the playoffs? Of course I want to make the playoffs. But even if Tannehill does not come out of this season with a signature win, I'm going to be okay with it because I'm going to come out of this year with the belief that next year we will see it. And 
the team just needs to build some more around him to get him that signature win. And that that's that's what I need to see. I need to come out not necessarily with having seen the signature win. I need to come out with the belief that he can have that signature win. I have to have the faith that he is the real deal. I think is what I'm trying to say. Now, I uh I absolutely 100% right now think that this team could fight for the playoffs and I 100% want them to and I expect them to because they have shown this so far this year. And if they don't and they completely collapse, I'm going to be disappointed. But as long as I can still have hope that Tannehill is the right guy, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, and along the lines of what Keith was saying, you know, not just the signature win, but I would like to see, I would like to see a game where he was, where he is forced to take the team on his back and win the game. Um, I think that was something that, you know, we looked for with Henny a lot was, you know, there were games he won, but there was never that one game where he was like, all right, the run game's not working, the defense isn't doing what they should be doing, I'm just going to go out and win this game for the team. Right. If Tannehill has a game like that this year, uh, you know, I think that will speak volumes. So he can say, all right, you know what, can't get the run game going, defense isn't stopping anybody. I'm going to go out here and I have to throw it 50 times, and I'm going to, you know, throw four touchdowns or whatever, and I'm going to, I'm going to win the game because of what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think that would be, to me, would be go along with the signature win, not you know, not like the Raiders where he threw one touchdown and you know there was four rushing touchdowns. But I want to see a game where he goes out and he leads the team to a victory based on what he does uh, to do it. I can understand that, and I don't have a problem with people wanting that, especially now as the team has gotten better. And um, who was it? Somebody, the South, the the Sun Sentinel, I think, did it. That they updated their staff picks today, and uh, they went through, and everybody updated their picks. And of course, people like Omar moved the team up one game, and some people went like from 6 and 10 to 9 and 7 or 10 and 6 for what they expect this team to finish this year. And I look at that and that's awesome. I love the fact that people are doing that, but I tr- I'm trying very hard to keep my expectations the same. I expected if if it was a 6 to 8 win season, I was happy. If Tannehill showed me that he could be the guy, not necessarily had to go out there and um had to go out there and do the signature win or pick the team up and move them themselves, but showed that he had the potential to do it, I was happy. Now, if we come away with 9, 10, 11 wins and Tannehill does pick up the team, of course I'm going to be ecstatic. But I personally am trying very hard to not up my expectations this year. I want 6 to 8 wins, and I want Tannehill to have a decent – um Rookie season. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think it's kind of surprising some folks. You know, Ryan Tannehill, in, in a way, is playing how people thought he would play by week 17. I mean, he, he's, yeah. The stuff he's doing right now with the stuff that they might would have expected to see from him, you know, toward the end of the season. Well, he's, you know, he's he's had a full year to, uh, you know, develop these skills. 
And so the fact that it's week six and he's coming out and he's already doing this stuff and people are like, wait a minute, that, that here's a guy that only started 19 games in college. He's supposed to sit the bench and he's already playing, you know, playing like this in a way that, you know, people weren't expecting. And I think that's that's what's kind of raising some expectations for folks is the fact that, hey, maybe this guy's better than what we thought. And he's, he's, his development's better than what we thought. So, yep. And I can kind of see the problem there is, you know, what happens when he goes out and has that one stinker game where, you know, he goes out and has three picks or something like that. And everybody's yep. like, oh, what happened? But, and and it's know, still coming because he is a rookie. He's going to have that game still. Yeah, I mean, and I think there was – I can't remember who it was. It might have been uh, Martin in his post mentioned uh, something about – I don't remember, but it was something about um, – there was a, a moment in the game where Tannehill earlier in the season was trying to force a throw, and this time he just ran, and he picked up some yards, and 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 I, and I think just slid or whatever. And they said, right. you know, like in the depth game, he threw the interception there. So it's like he, he's already learned from that standpoint. It was a, you know, something that you know, that, heck, there are quarterbacks out there that have started for, you know. Well, you know, started years in the NFL that still aren't picking up things like this. So yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's very promising, and I think with that promise comes that that's higher expectations because you kind of think, well, Tannehill's at this point now, so yes. he's further ahead. Maybe Tannehill will be further ahead by week 17. Yep. And I think another problem there is that you you hope he doesn't that his progress doesn't stagnate where he's that where he's at right now is where he's going to be in week 17. You still want to see growth. And, it, it, you know, there may be some times when that growth slows down a little bit because maybe, you know, his learning curve was a little bit higher than what we thought. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I'm, I just want to see him go out and have, a good, have good games, make smart decisions, and, uh, and protect the ball mostly. I mean, I just look at it like we all have our expectations of what to see. And, of course – with three wins in the first six weeks, we should be able to expect more wins. But at the same time, Peyton Manning went three and thirteen his rookie year. So even if he does go three and thirteen and does manage to lose these last ten games, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the world and Tannehill is the worst quarterback we've ever drafted. I mean, I'll give that to Pat White, but um, maybe Chad Henney. No. Chad Henney's at least still in the league. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that even if the Dolphins somehow lose every game the rest of the year, as long as that potential is still there, as long as it doesn't look like he, like you said, has topped out already. And I think he has an incredibly high ceiling, and we're, st- we're not going to see the end of it, his growth for at least a couple more years. But we'll see how it goes. Um, we are right at our 90-minute mark, so I'll go ahead and uh, let you guys have your final words. James, you got anything you want to add? No, sir. Okay, then. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I was going to throw out a little statistics out there that okay. if Miami wants to, to be more successful in games, they need to start stopping teams on fourth down. On third down conversions, we are number one in the league at like 25.8% or something like that. Basically, one uh, only one out of every four third downs gets converted against us. And 
that comes with the we have given up more third down attempts uh, than any other team in the league, uh, aside from the Vikings, and we're tied with them. So to have that kind of percentage with that high number of third down completions is pretty good. It's not like, you know, it's one out of four. I mean, we've had a lot of people get the third down against us, and they've not converted. Yep. However, we have had, I think, six fourth down attempts against us, and all six have been converted. So if teams get to a fourth down against us and they go for it, at this point it's almost it's almost a, a safe bet. So if Miami wants to win some of these, you know, win – Win more games to get out of some of these cluster games. They need to stop some of these teams on fourth down. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, insomnia sucks, and when your body decides to kick in that you're going to yawn, you yawn. So sorry about that. I couldn't hit my mute button fast enough. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize it was that high, that it was six of six or whatever it ends up actually being. But that, yeah, that's incredible. We've that's, got to learn to stop them on fourth down. There are other teams in the league that have that have 100% conversions on fourth down, but majority of them have only given up, you know, have only had three attempts. There's only a handful of teams that have had six or more attempts, and none of them have given up all of them. They've had at least one stop. All six we've had the most, have the highest, percentage against us with with the most amount. I think right. there's like several teams that have eight, a couple that have seven, but they've all had at least one stop. Nobody has more than five and given up every one of them. Right. It's just amazing that we have this awesome third down conversion better than any other defense in the league. Get on fourth down, it's like we just give them a free down or something. I, I don't know. So we need to we need to – granted, one of them was, you know, the, the, the Tebow fake pun or something, but yeah. you know we every other one we've given up, so we've got to we've got to cut back on that. Interesting. Well, hopefully over the next week and a half they'll go ahead and knock that out, and we'll be ready to go against the Jets. And I Carlos love... almost almost did that when he bent Sam Bradford. Oh my God! <laughs> I, I was. I, in all my posts this week, that's the picture I've wanted to use as the cover picture, and unfortunately, <laughs> no one got it. No one got that one as the cover pi- or as a picture in the uh, in the uh, U.S. Press Wire pictures that we have access to. So yeah, Sam Bradford bent in half was uh, it was pretty impressive. I, I'm actually surprised that he was able to without being able to see, somehow recover that ball and get the touchdown. But two hundred and fifty pounds of Carlos Davis would be basically just hanging <laughs> on his neck. <laughs> but well, somewhere along the line we lost Keith. Um I don't know where 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 he lives, he does not get good phone reception all the time and apparently tonight was one of those nights. So I, uh, and, I, and, I, and I've I've offered him uh, solutions to his issue, but uh, I don't think he uh, was was any of them to get a 1980s or 90s cell phone with the giant antenna on the top. No, no, no. no I think we should do that. <laughs> I, I had suggested that he either get an internet phone, you know, VoIP phone of yeah. some sort, or 
um, set his phone up so that he could make wireless calls via his internet because he's got a really good internet connection where he's at. Like right now, I'm on my cell phone, but this call is going out over the internet and it doesn't hit your minutes. So I have unlimited minutes, not that it matters, but. Aren't you just fancy? No, but when you're in the house, <laughs> it's, uh, it works really well where, you know, you may not, in, in, in a lot of these houses where we have solar decking, you don't have a great reception because yeah. of that. But if you go through the internet, then it doesn't matter. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. But, yes. But, well, guys, um, you two and Keith, thank you for uh, being here as you are just about every week. Uh, be serious. Thank you for calling in. It was good talking to you. I'm glad you got to do your first call. Um, who said that? That was Daytona Dolphin. No, Keith does not live in a cave. Um, his newlywed wife probably would not like that. But, um, <laughs> uh, guys in the thread, guys on Twitter, thank you very much for participating. Uh, we obviously we could talk for an hour, hour and a half because. We love this team, and we always find things to talk about, even if it's about college football for 35, 40 minutes, because it all ties back to the Dolphins eventually. And even if it is random baseball updates or once basketball season updates when I'm telling uh, James how the Spurs are doing while the Mavericks are falling apart. But uh, <laughs> nah, we're not falling apart. <laughs> but... Uh, you got you guys keep the show going with your comments, with your tweets, with your calls. So, really, thank you guys for doing that. Um, next week's show will be interesting because we won't have a game to talk about because we'll be coming out of the bye week. But we'll be back next Wednesday, so make sure you are here. Uh, as always, if you miss a show, you can always hit the player again the next day. Um, you can find it on the site. It's it's embedded in the site under sections on the uh, nav bar, and you can always subscribe to us on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes, and you can download the podcast through iTunes. So there are lots of ways to hear the show if you miss it. Um, I say that to a bunch of people who are listening live, but hey, maybe you want to download it in iTunes and help my stats go up. I'm not saying do that, but I'm just saying you might want to do that. So, <laughs> you're not saying do that, but why don't you do that? Yeah, I, I didn't say that. So, uh, James, that was that was well done. <laughs> but thanks, guys, for taking part. You three, uh, everybody online, and we'll be back next week. You guys have a good night, and uh, be night. serious. Be serious. Watch out for the turtles. Good night, everyone. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. 
Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. 